Hi, friends, and welcome to the Good Work Podcast. I'm your host, Leah Leonard, and we are here to ask the question, what does good work mean to you? We'll explore the values that drive us, the tensions we wrestle with, and ultimately how we connect the dots between achievement and fulfillment in our lives. Sound heavy? Nah. Let's lighten up and dive in. Welcome, everybody, to the Good Work Podcast. I'm so excited. I'm here with Eugene Litvak. I really can't wait for you to hear his story. Eugene is a true embodiment of what we think of when we think of the American dream, right? He has over 15 years of industry experience. He leads the Litvak team in real estate in my old stomping grounds in Brooklyn in New York City. Started in 2009. He has built his own team at Compass. His team is a powerhouse. His whole team has been nurtured under Eugene's personal mentorship and his ethos of relationships first. And I love that so much. He's been recognized as a top 1% NRT agent nationwide and is definitely a fixture in New York's top real estate teams. And I know that your team really thrives because you are hands-on with them and you coach them directly. So you're an author, speaker, a host. Um, You engage with your community. Um, You've got a ton of charisma and know-how. You're also a dad. And I can say this personally, that you cultivate long-term relationships and really cherished client bonds. You are absolutely living your relationships first ethos. I think it's beautiful. Uh, We've known each other for over a decade now. So, you know, you embrace all of these roles, fatherhood, forging community, reflecting on your personal passion for personal growth. And I'm so happy that you're here. So Eugene Litbach, welcome, welcome to the Good Work Podcast. Oh Thank you so much. That sounded so amazing. You know, you, you wake up in the morning, you do what you do and you do stuff. And and then one day you wake up and you hear someone else say that that's what you've done. And you sit back for a second. Because you know, it's overachievers, it's never enough. You solve yeah. something or anything about the next thing. Yeah. And you hear someone introduce you like that. And you're like, whoa, I did all those things. That's right. I have done all this stuff. That was very, very beautiful. Thank you. Thank You're you. welcome. You're welcome. It's yeah. true. We often don't take the time to yeah. celebrate, pause, reflect, and actually celebrate, especially when you are, and I'm not calling you this because I know you said it, but you know, a high achieving person. Oh, yeah. So I'd love to start at the beginning, not, you know, with your birth, but your <laughs> <laughs> the beginning of this chapter. It was a cool day. It was 40 degrees Celsius. <laughs> else to it. <laughs> exactly. Um, so maybe not the birth itself, but um, I'd love to start with just the, the beginnings of what you would consider to be this, this chapter in your story, how you got started. For those that don't know you well yet, I know that your story really is inspiring and I've been inspired by you. So I would love for you to to share. How did this all begin, my friend? Yeah, sure. So very, very high level. I'm an immigrant. Uh, I was born in what's now Odessa, uh, Ukraine. Back then it was the Soviet Union. It's a funky time to be from there, you know, mm-hmm. due to all the recent political events. The truth is we came to America when we were six because it just wasn't a very good place for Jewish people. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, my parents, you know, you, you would get asked all the time, you know, who are your heroes? And my parents immigrated to this country with no prospects, no language, and with, you know, a six-year-old. And so kudos to them for talk about courage or bravery or like putting yourself second and all that mm. good stuff. So then, you know, I grew, I grew up here. I'd say probably this chapter would maybe start 2006, right? So mm-hmm. without going into the weeds uh, or, or taking up the whole show with this bio piece, uh, there was just some parts of my family that, that got me in trouble that I needed to be there for. And that really set me back. I was in a lot of debt. I had dropped out of school. I did not know what I was going to do with my life. And I was completely lost. Ironically, that's also when I met this girl named Julie, who is now the mother of my twins. She saw me at the absolute lowest point of my life. And for some reason, Mm. saw someone she wanted to be with. I still haven't figured it out. But I'm glad I'm glad that she was delusional or whatever. I don't know. Very so, humble. <laughs> uh, yeah, right. Uh, so it's 2006. I don't want to use a dramatic word like homeless, but I, but I have no 
address. I'm couch surfing. Um, I do not have a close relationship with my family at the time and and I'm couch surfing and I can't afford to have a place to live. Mm. And I'm in a ton of debt and I'm a college dropout and I don't know what I'm going to do with my life. You know, I I dabbled in real estate a little bit in, in a form. And I bump into somebody that I went to high school with. What are you doing? What are you doing? I'm doing real estate. Me too. It's so hard, right? What are you talking about? I'm making five, 10 grand a month doing rentals in New York City at a company called City Habitats. No way. That's crazy. If you want, I can get you a job. No. Even if you got me a job, well, I can't afford the commute. I can't afford the cabs. Like, I don't have money for a camera. Story, story, story. Excuse, excuse, excuse. He's and like, this is all while, while you are still couch surfing and right. you have no place to live. That's right. That's, mm-hmm. right. that's all right. right. And in my community, so I'm around 20 or 21 at the time. And in my community, you're already supposed to be on your way to a career. You're already supposed to be either married or on your way to be married. And I'm like, I'm no, like in, in respectively or, or, or in the, what, from what's expected, you know, I'm, I'm really nowhere. Right. And so this guy says, listen, it's entirely up to you. Like, I'm not going to convince you, but I commute every day from Brooklyn. Anyways, the office was on the Upper East side and I lived in Sheepshead Bay, which is about an hour and a half commute by car. Um, he's like, I go in every day. Anyways, I can get you a job. The startup is nothing. You got to buy a camera. It's like 500 bucks. If it's, if it's that bad, you can find a loan. And I just, I took a leap of faith. So I said, fine, let's do it. I went in in the first 30 days, I rented three apartments. I made a whopping, I don't know, $1,000 or $1,200. But there was a, oh snap, I think I can do this. I think mm-hmm. I found something here. A light bulb went off. So one of my strengths has always been implementation. There's so much advice out there and people love to subscribe to shelf help. Everyone consumes and then Mm -hmm. it just goes somewhere. And for all my years of personal business business development, where one of my strengths was, I take insane notes, but I immediately try to implement at least a few things because, you know, we've all heard it, 1% improvement, just that's all you need. Don't try to do everything, concentrate a few things, whatever. Yeah. So I took the leap of faith. I did it. And at the time, my manager just gave advice. Every time you rent an apartment, you know, there's a calendar says there's a folder system, each folder is a month, but whatever, give me all this advice and I would just eat it all up. Mm. And so the first year I worked every day, I took 12 days off an entire year because I was commuting. I was always first to come in and I was last to leave because there was floor duty and you could do something extra. So I worked like 80, 90 hour weeks for the first year. And I did very, very well. I made a whopping $22,000, my first Mm. gross not yep. next, gross. <laughs> uh, and so, you know, if you count up all the hours, my God, like it would certainly per hour is certainly nothing to write home about. But I really learned the business and I did what my manager suggested. And then the second year I just kept doing it, but my my database grew. And so then I doubled and then I doubled. And then I had this idea, like I'm overwhelmed with work. Let me just hire a team. So I did. But what was interesting is instead of continuing to grow, I hit a streak of complacency. So now I have people that work for Mm -hmm. me and instead of continuing the growth, well, I'll just pawn this off and I'll pawn this off. And all of a sudden, three years later, I'm stuck at this certain income bracket. So it's 2012. I'm married. I own a condo in the edge, which you're familiar with. Five years ago, I'm couch surfing and I'm broken in debt. I'm out of debt. I own a condo. I'm married. And life is just blah. You know, life Mm -hmm. is just blah. I should be over the moon. Life's just blah. Like I'm Julie and I are getting ready to divorce. Very amicably, just wow. we're roommates, we're friends, but there's no passion. Mm. We don't have kids yet. Let's just call it before we get any deeper into this thing. Let's not be handcuffed to each other. Let's not settle. And real estate, there's just no fun in it for me. There's no passion. There's no growth. There's just, I'm just, I'm doing the bare minimum and I'm doing okay, but it just, I, I am a growth addict. You know, I need to <laughs> conquering yeah. something. Sure. And you just, and when you say you just felt blah, you know, when you first took that, commute and you sold those and you rented those first three apartments, you know, back in 2006. And you said you felt that, how did yeah. you, how did you put it? Like that spark, like that light bulb, what did you had a great way of putting it that like game on, like I, I can yeah. do this, that feeling, right. That yeah. spark. You know, I could put it in terms, this is directly from, so I, I've studied a lot under Tony Robbins. Um, mm. I'll talk to that a bit. But I could talk to this directly from the world of Tony Robbins and personal development. What I felt is we could call it faith or belief. Mm. I came to a place. People think about how long it takes to change. It takes a second to change. It doesn't take forever. At the moment that you have a feeling of absolute certainty about something, it's very Mm. easy to move forward on that thing. It's the indecision. 
that stalls us. Mm-hmm. So I went in and in that month, what I felt was this absolute certainty, this swag, you know, this confidence mm-hmm. that I can do this. And from then on, you can't see the oxygen, but you have an absolute certainty that you're breathing it and that you're fine. You can't see around the corner, but you know, once you get there, you know, I felt that level of confidence that like, you know what, mm. I don't know exactly what's around the corner, but I know I'm, once I get there, what's around the corner, I'm gonna be able to figure it out. And mm. the next corner and the next corner, you know, if we had this conversation 15 years ago, I couldn't tell you that I'd be around this corner and where things are today and listening to an opening like that, you know, like, God, I, I almost have like imposter syndrome. Like that's how you around <laughs> some like mega author celebrity coming onto a stage. It's so cool to like hear your name with those accolades. Did it feel yeah, good it before it feels, the imposter syndrome crept back in? Yeah. No, I'm, even with it, it feels great. It feels really, yeah. you know, also from that, we're going to bounce around a little bit. I guess that's okay. It's yeah. also from the Tony world. He talks about the overachiever curse. Mm. We talked about this before. The overachiever curse is you've got, you've got the science of achievement down. You know how to set KPIs and reverse engineer them to critical drivers or differently put, you know, how to set goals, you know, how to create the activities to meet those goals. And it's, it's always the next thing, but you know, the, we know a lot of people that are very successful mm. that are not very happy. You know, Robin Williams is the example that's used in that environment. And this guy yeah. was beloved by everybody in the world. He's got everything and he, he chose to leave, you know, like yeah. it's, the quote from there is that the science of achievement means very little without the art of fulfillment. It's my favorite birthday toast. Like I'll get up and I'll say, listen, of course I wish you Love, luck, happiness, success, all that stuff. But you know, that's not what matters. What matters is every day when you wake up and you think about your life, you think, Mm -hmm. I'm so lucky. And a dollar sign, I know so many millionaires and billionaires, and they don't necessarily feel that all the time. Yeah. Every day, you know what we have? I heard this really cool thing. I had this really cool thing. I think it was on TikTok or Instagram or somewhere. Somebody go to somebody. Yeah, one of those. What would you react like if tomorrow morning you woke up and I gave you $10 million and the person has the reaction, okay, now what if I told you, you had to trade it for your life? You had 24 hours to live. Would you keep the money? And of course, everybody says no. Well, then isn't your life or your morning worth more than $10 million? But how many of us wake up feeling like today's worth more than $10 million? Mm -hmm. Wake up, especially overachievers. What didn't I get to? What didn't I get done? What could I be doing more of? And stress, 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 especially living in New York City. You know, it's just- Absolutely. Total Darwinism here. So you started there and and then now we're at 2012, right? Yeah. And I want and I do want to circle back to the, yeah, um, yeah. To the thing Thank that you, you said about up. the wake up call that it can be yeah. for overachievers that That's come right. from a more Western background and capitalism, all the things and the the frequent emotional experience that is had when you encounter folks who are living in a in yeah. a very different paradigm. So I do want to come back to that. But I we're here, we've landed in 2012 and yes. you've turned not only turned the ship around, but you've made a maiden voyage that's circumvented <laughs> the globe. Yeah. Right? right. And right. and you said things are blah. And yeah, these are just blah. not fulfilled. Yeah. Things are so like life just feels empty. Like every day you wake up and you have all these blessings around you and you can't see them. You can't feel them. So I'm literally like Julie and I are having the conversations where we're, we always said we would involve a lawyer. So we're just like, what would it look like? You know, we have this only asset. What would like, and we're having like legitimate logistical conversations. And I'm just thinking about what would I want to do? And I have no idea. And my very good friend goes, have you ever heard of Tony Robbins? And I was like, that's the guy from Shallow Hell, right? And he's like, ha ha. Mm-hmm. He's got this event. It's called Unleash the Power Within. Watch this video. And I watch a video about what looks like a bunch of crazy people jumping around dancing. And I'm like, no, nah, I'm, I'm always, I've always been open to new things. <laughs> I'm like, you know what? I'm, I, I like trying new things. Why not? So me, my friend, Jeff, that introduced me to it and Julie all went and just game changer, you know, like total and epic 180. I mean, and so the first day there's a whole, my brain is addicted to logic, right? My brain, mm. surprising, but my brain is like totally addicted to logic. So I think a lot of people can relate to yeah, that. Yeah, for sure. For it's sure. good to point that out, especially when we get into, you know, the world of personal development sure. and there's, you know, some folks have a pretty big resistance yeah. shield. Yeah. And, and what's really interesting is our greatest strength is also our greatest weakness. And so the fact that I'm so logic driven, I'm probably one of the world's greatest problem solvers, especially because I know how to keep common state of stress. But also when you 
you start to talk to me about something in the past, when there, we'd have to have a conversation about grace or a conversation mm-hmm. about faith, my logical brain can't accept, you can't explain it. And so it's like, it's a get, everything can be a strength and a weakness. Sure. So we go and the whole first day is pretty much unpacking how the human mind works, right? And mm-hmm. so we won't have enough time to unpack all of it here today. And it ends with this walk on fire, right? It ends with this walk on fire. And so I'm someone that's not, was not at that time, an adrenaline junkie because of what I, if you think about, I'm not going to go to the whole explanation, but if you think about excitement and fear, they mm-hmm. manifest in our bodies physically exactly the same way. Perspiration, mm-hmm. all that stuff. The difference between fear and excitement is a story you're telling yourself. It's just a narrative, mm-hmm. right? So someone looks at a roller coaster and like, oh my God, no way. Someone else looks at the same roller coaster because, oh my God, I can't wait to get on. It's, it's just a narrative, right? Conditioning, all that stuff. So I was a former. I was like, no way, because every time I felt, I felt fear because of my mm-hmm. past and all, all the crazy stuff. And so I'm thinking about this firewalk and it feels terrifying, but the tools I learned in the day made me understand how the body works, how you control your emotions, your state. Mm-hmm. I left that first day walking into that walking on fire experience with the feeling of like certainty that I can now really do. People are like, what did you get most? That I can really do anything. And then I did this firewalk mm-hmm. and you walk across this fire and you're supposed to like rub your feet so there's no coals and then celebrate in a scream. And I, I mean, truthfully, I'm not, I'm not quite to be vulnerable. I walk across this fire, I wipe my feet, I let out the scream, and it's immediately followed by an uncontrollable sound. Like, I mean, yeah. I don't mean like, oh, you know, uh, macho guy sheds a tear. I'm talking like fetal position, hysteria, because mm-hmm. I just realized in that moment, all these invisible shackles, they're all gone. I'm free of all of my psychological limitations. And the song that gets played there is Life Will Never Be the Same by Hathaway. Mm-hmm. And literally, like, I know from this moment, life will never be the same. And so I come back home. And what's amazing is I did this with my wife and we both came home feeling this way. So it immediately, like, mm-hmm. cemented our relationship together. And so it was just, it was like like a launch pad for a rocket ship. So then the next year, I doubled my income and, you know, again, and there's this part of that organization called Platinum Partnerships. Very expensive. There's a big check you got to stroke in order to get in. Mm-hmm. And then there, there's three trips per year that are only for the plat. So I remember it's 2015 and I see somebody go on stage and they do like a testimony for this program. And I think to myself, you know what, for the sake of the show, because I think it'll make the point, I'll share numbers. I was making about 125 yeah. to 150 grand at the time. Mm-hmm. Platinum Partnership, the membership was 75 grand. And each additional trip is another 15 plus hotel plus flight. So they say in order to be a platinum partner, you have to budget about 125 to 150. So it's the equivalent of my annual salary, really. Mm-hmm. 2015, I go to a program, I watch this thing, and I just think to myself, who are these people that have the time and the money? Because you're also away 12 to 15 weeks out of the year. Yeah. Do this, you know? And I just say to myself, within two years, that's going to be me. So fast forward to 2015, we have our best year ever. 2016, the market shifts, a couple of different things happen. And in 2016, in the entire year, I made a whopping negative 50 grand in the mm-hmm. entire year. I was working insane hours. I grew the business too big, too fast. I didn't know at the time, accounting, bookkeeping, PL, all the language of accounting that I've mastered of now. I didn't know it ever then. So I had this, this really terrible year and we just had our twins born. So we're getting ready, Julie and I, to go to an event, uh, this event called Day with Destiny. And she reaches out to me and she says, you know, I don't think we should go because time, money, this, that. We go up and down a bunch. We have a big fight. And I come home and I say, okay, look, I've made up my mind. I feel like we need this. This is the next level. Every time we've participated, whatever, whatever. She says to me, I don't think we should go. And I say, look, here's where I'm at. I would love for you to come with me but I need to do this. You know, like, I feel like every time I've done something that feels uncomfortable for our family to move this forward, mm. you can give me any reasons that are not fear-based not to do it. Then I won't go, whatever. She's like, okay, fine. Let me think about it. I say, but wait, there's more. I've also decided to become a platinum partner. What? Oh my God. Huge. This is after the year that this you is after made the year. negative yeah. 50 That's right. grand. Doubled the top line mm-hmm. and your business has grown, but you made negative 50 grand and you say, yeah, the years before the, the net, Income had doubled, but that year, too much, too fast. So it was an interesting time. You know, like, I mean, I've made this joke before. If I had done nothing all year long, I would have made more money. If I just sat home, potato chips and soap (laughs) operas, I would have made more money than the 80, 90 hour weeks and the stress and whatever. So I deliver this line to Julie and she goes nuts. And we have a big fight about it. Like another almost, she's postpartum with our twins. 
but I just had this feeling like I don't have the answers. And I just, in my gut, you know, mm-hmm. like I feel like to follow my gut. Mm-hmm. In my gut, the answers are there. And so there's this other phrase in the personal development world from Tony specifically, if you can't, you must. The thing that you feel the most resistance with, man, nail that thing. Mm-hmm. And whatever comes next will feel easier. So I did it. I went in and I'm, as you know, I'm a playful. I got two gears, stop and go. I don't, uh, people are like, all things moderation. I don't know how to do moderation. I'm either <laughs> in, that too is a gift and a curse, but I'm either all in or I'm not in at all. And so I went and that year, not only did I make more money than I ever made before, Julie and I, the again, we went to some events together and the quality of our relationship And fast forward towards the end of that year, Tony opens up another program that's only for 30 people. You have to be a multi-year platinum partner in order to attend. Mm. But because I was such a force in the community, I was the only person they invited in or one of maybe two people, I forget exactly why. One of the few people they invited in that was a first year plat. And so now that's double the previous thing. And so it's like, we just keep going up and up. So you know, the world's a funny place. So now it's 2017. I'm everything I thought it would be. I'm 35 years old. I've made more money than I could ever imagine. I've set myself up. I've set my family up. I've got this great relationship. All my friends are millionaires and billionaires and entrepreneurs. I'm now living in my second or third apartment at the edge. We just keep upgrading. And then it's April and I get invited as part of this thing to Tony's house. So I go to Tony's house and I'm hanging out with Tom Brady and Michael Phelps and Sean White. And I'm 35 years old. And we know this is my life at 35. And I'm thinking, who's better than me? Like, it's, I, my, I made it. Like, this is it. Come home that week. Come home from Tony's house on top of the world. And my CFO sits me down and goes, Eugene, we've got to talk. I've been trying to talk to you for months. This is urgent. I'm like, okay, what's up? For the last six months, you've been running a negative $50,000 cash flow. I have no idea what that means. Can you explain it to me? It means... X came in or Y went out, X came in and means per month, you've made negative 50 grand. Impossible. What are you talking about? He starts showing me everything. And I'm like, oh, wow, this is real. Mm-hmm. Somehow we're spending X amount per month. At that time, I think it was 80 or 90 grand per month is going out. And I have no idea how this is. I don't know bookkeeping. That's, I have no idea where this money's going. Only a 20 or 30 is coming in. And at that time, the team was a little bit uh, fragile. We grew too much too fast again. Mm. And the team, I made some poor CEO decisions, which I didn't see then, but now I see I had blind spots. And so all of a sudden I realized like, oh man, like I don't know how to fix this. I just came back from Tony's house on this, on top of the world, life's amazing. And I'm like, oh my God, like my, my business is not healthy at all, but it's okay. I have all these savings, but I was behind on taxes a couple of years because we were switching accountants and whatever, whatever. So finally I do the taxes mm-hmm. and the bill's astronomical. I mean, the bill's astronomical and it blows away 75% of my savings. So now the company's costing me 50, 60 grand a month, negative net, meaning the, the income minus the expenses, I'm negative 50, 60 per month. And I have about 300 grand to my name. So I'm like, I got six months and then it's all over. Insomnia, panic attacks, 18 months of no sleep. And I'd Oof. never anxiety or any of that stuff. It was all new to me. I would wake up, you know, as you know, we were living in a penthouse in the edge and I would wake up in the middle of the night sweating. Julie, 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 get up, start packing. We need to move out tomorrow. We don't have money. Like I was just so hijacked. My mind, all the things that made me me were absent and I was completely hijacked by fear. So Mm. for anyone else- You said at the beginning that one of your biggest strengths is that you don't get stressed out in stressful situations and you know how to stay calm. That's right. And this experience was my kryptonite. This was my kryptonite. (laughs) Uh First, let me just say, for anyone that might be listening, this is 100% totally normal. Let me just start by saying that because that was the hardest part to get over because I considered myself intelligent, overachiever, Mm -hmm. someone that has total control of their emotional state, someone that had everything more or less under control as much as one could control. And all of a sudden, that feeling of absolute certainty, not only do I not have absolute certainty, I have zero certainty of anything. My very identity was challenged. Like I thought I was a successful entrepreneur. I'm hanging out with Tom Brady and Tony Robbins and I don't even know how to run a frigging business. Like my the very core of my, and they say it's completely fine to have feelings, but to have feelings about your feelings is where you get in trouble. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden I can't go to sleep. If we are more, if we had more time, I can go to a whole thing about frequency in the brain, all that stuff about, you know, I, I just, I learned so much of this experience. Also, it was such a positive one, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not sleeping, which is, yeah. which is, you know, anxiety, uh, creating enough. 
But then I'm like, who are you? How can you be so weak? How can you be so, you know, you're you're a fraud and all this stuff. So lots of new narratives. You got got rid of the old narratives. Now you've got new narratives coming in. Almost like for anyone that's seen the movie Inception, Mm -hmm. you know, all it takes is to place that thought. And if you don't, it's like a cancer. If you don't get rid of it immediately. So step one, step one is just identify and acknowledge that this is okay. What you're feeling is normal to be feeling in this time. And so that was step one. I went down a rabbit hole. I learned everything there is to learn about anxiety, about panic attacks, about sleep patterns, about electromagnetic frequency in your brain, about accounting. I went, I got obsessed. Mm-hmm. They say accounting is the language of business. I got obsessed with learning everything there is to know about accounting, PL, budgeting, KPIs. I mean, in 18 months, I learned what people learn in 10 years. I just got to, I wasn't sleeping. I found a video from Dana White, who's the president of the president of UC, just in one of my late night rabbit hole searches. I found this video from Dana White, and he's like, he has trouble sleeping. He has anxiety. Oh, Dana too. And he says, I don't know why people whine about insomnia. It's like everyone complains I don't have enough time. You can't sleep. Great. More time to work. I'm like, oh, Dana, <laughs> brilliant. Instead of stressing about all this stuff, I'm not sleeping anyways. It's my body's way of saying, here's more time. Let's just work through the night and solve for stuff. So I just I just started wow. framing some of these narratives. Wow. I had a lot of people in my corner, multiple coaches. You know, I had a brain frequency co- I mean, I went, I went, it was. I will certainly not lie and say it was easy. It was the mm. most difficult thing I went through entire my entire life. And my childhood was everything I went through then, you know, no time in the whole show, but there was some real crazy stuff then. It was also incredible. You know, the truth is if you can surrender to this thought, if you can surrender to this thought, what if life is never happening to you, but instead, what if everything that happens, happens for you? Mm. And as a, as a logical brain, you can't accept that. That's nonsense. That's BS. But as you start to step into grace and faith and, you know, I just have to have belief and faith that around the corner, there's no danger and I'll be okay. Otherwise, I'm going to be afraid to go around the corner. Yeah. And so totally. I surrender to that. I, sur- I totally surrender to that, that like this is all happening for a reason. And now my quest is to find the reason. And I did. I found the reason. I'm not an ego guy. Mm. But if I'm honest, you know, I grew a little too fast for my own good in every mm-hmm. single way. Mm-hmm. And I could feel myself getting a little bit cockier, a little bit overconfident. And that's not my, that's not who I am. I wouldn't call myself humble. That wouldn't be, but I'm just, I'm in the middle, you know, I'm, I'm, I know my worth. I know my value. I'm a straight shooter, but I'm not a cocky guy and I'm not insecure either. I'm a healthy confident, I would say. Right. Yeah. But a little disconnected and a little bit of ego coming in and taking over. Look Mm -hmm. at me, I'm 35. I'm hanging out. Look at me, look at me. Some of that crept in, you know, and I'm not, I never shy away from the things I've learned in life. And, you know, in business, too hard, too fast, not strong enough foundation. I look at me, badass entrepreneur. I can do anything. Let's do this and this and this. And I got it. You know, it was the universe's way of saying, all right, young buck, you are all those things. And don't forget there are consequences in life, you know? And so mm-hmm. in the end, I am so grateful for the experience because I got out of it. I got a master's degree in how to deal with all these things. And, you know, coaching is such an important element for me. Like I love to pay forward all these things I've learned in business and personal development over, you know, now almost two decades. People used to talk to me about anxiety. I used to just say to them, well, you just got to change your state. You got to do that. I didn't realize how hijacked somebody gets when they're actually mm-hmm. in an anxiety spell. Absolutely. But now I know it. Now I know it in my body, in my mind. I've had the experience. And so Absolutely. now- Absolutely. I hadn't, and I hadn't had that experience either until um, my mom passed away. And then I had- I started to have panic attacks on planes, which was wild because we've traveled all over the world and we used to travel back and forth between, you know, Tanzania and the U.S. with our little kids. And I was on planes all the time and I always felt safe and secure on a plane. And I had never had that full body experience. And I don't know about you, but for me, it was the most visceral wake up call. It was like my whole body saying, you know, pay attention to me, take care of me, tell me that I'm safe. Like tell my nervous system that I, that I am safe. And I had to take all, it was almost like all the tools that I'd ever had in my tool belt just got blown up. And I couldn't, I was just like, you know, patting around on the floor. Like I'd taken my glasses off and I couldn't see anything. And The only thing it turns out I felt, and I don't know if you can relate to this, 
that I had to hold on to, quote unquote, was the way that I feel, feeling more settled in my own body, leaning into the tools that I know to help me feel more connected and settled internally, and holding on to the fundamental truth of uncertainty. That's it. And mortality. And so I'm curious to hear kind of what that brings to mind for you. Yeah, well, there's a line that you're going to love. You know, this is also how I quote Tony in this one too. The quality of your life quality of your life, we've all heard is the is in direct proportions of the quality of your relationships, right? Your net worth is equivalent to your network, which I network, which I totally believe. The quality of your life will be in direct proportion to the amount of uncomfortability mm-hmm. comfortable live with. The amount of discomfort um, you're willing to experience. The amount of discomfort you can be comfortable with. Mm-hmm. Because the truth is, if you get in a plane and you start thinking about, oh my God, I might die. Well, that's not going to be a very pleasant flight. No, I can tell you that. Yeah, that's the reality, you know, like, and so, but the second you surrender to grace and you surrender to, you know what, I only have control of this moment and how I show up. Mm. You can feel safe about walking on the sidewalk, but we've never heard of a car flying off the road. People, you know, it's so funny to me. I've never heard anybody say, I'm going to get behind the steering wheel and I'm afraid of driving once they've learned how to drive. Mm -hmm. Think about it. You have a much higher chance of dying in a car accident in an airplane. Oh, 100%. The fear of getting on a plane is so visceral, but the fear of just getting in and driving, nobody has. Right? Some people nobody do. Some, some people some definitely people. do, but most sure. people do not. You know what I'm saying, right? Like in, yeah. in, in, in proportion or whatnot. So where you should be scared, because we have this feeling of certainty and safety, like this feeling of absolute certainty, I'm going to get in a car and I'm going to be fine. Well, you can carry that same narrative to the airplane. Mm. But but if we if we allow ourselves to take on this lifestyle, of seeking the discomfort, mm. taking on this life of I'm just going to, I'm going to acknowledge to myself that very little is actually in my control. And the things that freak me out the most, I'm going to go smash those things. If you can't, you must. So I had a horrible fear mm. of heights. Mm-hmm. And that year, that 2018 year, we went to New Zealand and I've never done roller coasters. I've never done zip lining. I mean, and I'm a confident guy. So my friends would be like, oh, don't be a wimp. I'm like, ah, I don't care, whatever. This is how true this goes. We went to a trip with couples somewhere with Julie and two other couples. And there was some excursion. It was like uh, snorkeling. It was like something. And then it was zipline. Let's go. Let's go. My guys, let's go. I'm just telling you, I'm not going to do zipline. No, you're going to go once you get there. No, I'm not going to go. I'm telling you. So we get there. We do the first two things. Time for zipline. They all go, come on. I'm like, I'm telling you, I'm not going to go. And I went into a hammock and (laughs) I was in Sudoku in a hammock. Well, five other people went zipline and I had zero qualms about this is just not who i am that guy that guy went bungee jumping in new zealand i got to new zealand and i said all right i'm on this journey if you can't you must i can't control anything but i can control how i show up Mm -hmm. so it started smaller was you know we raced america's cups and then ziplining little by it's just small decisions so then all of a sudden it's time to bungee jump and it was absolutely horrible it was terrible (laughs) terrifying experience and simultaneously the most awesome thing I've ever done in my whole life, you know, like. And did you feel all in, in a way, was that your way of just walking up and instead of kind of dissociating from your fear, just getting right, like putting, getting right into the cozy yeah. hammock with it and saying, hello. Uh, I wouldn't call it cozy. I'm going to do, I'm going to do something. I'm going to talk like you did. I think it's more like some bigger, stronger, faster guys challenged me to a fight. Hmm. And I don't know how it's going to go, but I'm going to step in the ring and find out. I'm not going to shy away from the fight. I don't know if that lands perfectly. I, I guess, you. you know what? I guess let me let me do it a different way. Whatever it is, whatever the thing is, see that the thing is never the fear. Words don't have any power. What has power is the meaning we assign to words. If I was to cuss you out in a language you don't understand, you wouldn't be upset. But sure. if I said the same thing in a language you understood because you have a meaning, because there's meaning attached, you'd have a very different reaction. Sure. Well, the roller coaster is not scary. What's scary is the meaning we assign to it. Bungee jumping isn't scary. What's scary is the meaning we assign to it. If we don't feel fear driving a car or walking across the street when someone could just run a red light and take us out, we just, our meaning there is safe. You assign that same meaning. And the only way to get there, the only way through is through. So you have to take things on that make you uncomfortable and go through them. Mm. And then all of a sudden that becomes who you are. Now something that's uncomfortable, you realize it's temporary. I'm just going to get through that like I got through everything. But if the thing makes you uncomfortable and you shy away from it, every, you, you, now you have a life of fear, which is how I lived. Mm. Everything in my world was fear. 
So that's why if you can't, you must, you smash this thing. And the next thing becomes easier and easier and easier and easier. So that was it. So going back to, I came back, I saw for all this stuff. I went to, uh, you know, I finished off that year. I, I, I had this crazy rebound. And just when I had rebounded, boom, COVID hits, mm-hmm. right? And so now, you know, I run a real estate firm and I have a real estate team rather. And good luck being successful when you can't show apartments. But you know what? I'm saying this totally honestly. My stress level was zero. Mm-hmm. Like I'm like, my meaning was what an opportunity. I now know accounting. I don't know budgeting. I know when and how to, I know where and how to pull back. We totally anticipated, you know, they say leaders anticipate. We totally anticipate. Everyone's like, no way New York's going to close. I'm like, BS, we're for sure going to close or let's be ready for it. Mm-hmm. So we went and we, we shifted our business video, this, that, the other. So when things shut down, we were just ready. We were ahead of the game. And we had our best year ever, two wow. back-to-back banner years. And what's really awesome is I was the guy like, you have to be in the office. Too much energy, there's energy, you can't like work from home. But then two years, I ran it from home, you know, two back-to-back banner years. And so when my wife finally decided it was time to leave Williamsburg because kids, community, this, that, the other. Well, first of all, Williamsburg changed so much from when we first moved into what it is now. Sure. I'm not saying bad or good, just different. And, you know, my wife and I, we see the world a little bit differently and she did not want to raise our family there. She wanted community. She wanted all of our people, all of our family, all of our friends, and they just weren't there. But because I had went through all that stuff, I can now run the business from home. And all of a sudden there was some fear, as you can imagine, of leaving the edge. But if you can't, you must. So baby, let's go. Baby, let's mm-hmm. go. LFG. And so we did move and, you know, we figured that out too. We improved our market. You know, we, we figured all that stuff out too. So uh, that brings us to today. We are, <laughs> you know, that brings us to today. I can honestly say this thing of surrender to life's always happening for you mm. has been my my saving grace because I can with wholehearted authenticity and certainty say every one of the things that felt in the moment so horrible, every one of those things was a gift. Every one of those things was meant to show me something. Every one of those things was happening for me in a way to wake me up or to make me alert or from, you know, or or to help me evolve, you know, like in nature, everything evolves. And so like a diamond evolves from pressure without pressure. It's easy to stay in complacency mode. And I fell into complacency mode multiple times and the universe said, oh yeah, watch this buddy. (laughs) So, so yeah, man, that, that's a big one. You know, like life's never happening to you. It's happening for you. And also if you really believe that anxiety comes from something happens in our minds we create a meaning which looks like it's a visual like a photo or a movie right even there you can control it if you make the photo or the video further away Mm. less anxiety if you bring it in closer it's scarier if you make it black or white less anxiety if you make it colorful it's more vibrant so there's all these like micro tools all these modalities but more to the point if you just surrender to the meaning this is happening for me what's the gift in it very hard to be anxious from that meaning Hmm. very hard if you play the picture which i did oh my god i'm gonna be broke everything i worked for is now gone what are people gonna think about me that i've regressed that i went broke yada like all that story of course that narrative that movie is gonna create anxiety but instead what if the movie said oh yeah you're gonna bounce back from this better than ever before you're gonna run you see yourself where i am today that's the story very hard to be anxious you said at the beginning that um, one of your personal strengths is implementation. Yeah. So, you know, you've shared a lot of nuggets of wisdom. And for yeah. somebody out there who might be in that discomfort or bumping up against their their own personal edge, right? Maybe they related to 2006 you, maybe they related to right. 2012 you, and maybe they're relating to 2023 you, right? Right. For someone who's bumping up against that edge of discomfort or they're just feeling blah, mm-hmm. right? If two yeah. different states that you've kind of, you know, helped yourself change and that have changed the trajectory for your life. If we were to leave folks with something that's actually implementable that they could implement yeah. um, in order to move through or em- further embrace that discomfort, you you choose, pick your poison, either yeah. moving through the discomfort or yeah. dealing with the blahs and the sense of unfulfillment, right? Yeah. Which is equally uncomfortable, right? Yeah. Anxiety, discomfort is a very different feeling sure. in the body of the you know disconnected, unfulfilled blah. 
So yeah. you pick whichever one you want to address, but what is something that someone out there who can relate to those feelings, what could they implement? What could they yeah. do? Because I know that sometimes I listen to conversations like this and I feel inspired. And then I think, what do I do now? Yeah. yeah. What do I, I do with this? I'm going to give you a formula for both. First, if I may be so bold, because I've experienced both personally, I'm not talking from, from theoretical, I would rather be anxious than be complacent. Hmm. Anxiety can, at least can, with anxiety, there's urgency. With complacency, you might watch your whole life pass you by. And we all know those people that everything's just okay. And they just settle into that. And then all of a sudden they're 40, 50, 60, 80. And they look back and they're like, oh man, I wish. So at least if you have anxiety, the pain's so bad. Do you have an urgency to deal with it? Whereas with complacency, it usually gets pushed back for tomorrow. So if I may be so mm -hmm. bold, if you're out there with anxiety, be grateful. It's your body, it's the universe. Somebody's telling you something. Somebody's saying, open your eyes and focus on this thing. Uh, and so look at it that way, right? If you can, if you can. It's not easy in the beginning, but th that option is available to you. I'm living proof of that. I'm going to share this formula, this distinction. I'm going to give you two. They're, they're connected and it's mm -hmm. kind of the formula for forward progress or success, or at least, or at least understanding it, right? Great. Most of it has to do with mindset. Again, this is all directly from the Tony Robbins community. So first people tend to start with what should I do? I want you to imagine that it's a three-step process. Mm -hmm. What do I do is a final step, not the first step. Before what do I do? You've got to have a strong story or mindset or narrative. Okay, if I was to tell, there, let's say there's an up-and-coming realtor, somebody that wants to start a team, they want to be on a similar trajectory to me. And I said to them, okay, it's real easy. All you got to do is work 350 days, 100, 100-hour weeks, make 20 grand, live on a couch, do that for a whole year with no certainty of any future, then do it again for another year. I don't know how many takers I get. I don't know how many people get inspired by that, right? Right. So if the strategy, if the story is not great of here's, but if I said that to them, give me those two years and then you are where I am today within five years, because nobody, nobody gave me a yellow brick road. I had to figure everything sure. out. Today, we've done this on my people that join my team. I give them the yellow brick road and they, they are, six, you know, we have one person on our team. She had no real estate experience. Within one year, she was a top producer in our rental department. So like we have the yellow brick road now. If you just follow, but you know, so if the story is there and part of the story, part of when we say story is a story built upon absolute certainty that you can get to the outcome. Then from that place, the what to do is going to be much more productive, right? Because you're coming from a better place. But before you can have that story, everything starts with state. Mm -hmm. And by state, I mean how you feel, right? You just use the word a couple of times in this podcast inspired inspired is a state frustrated is a state hopeless is a state complacent is a state pumped up is a state if you start with strategy and your state is i don't really believe it lack of confidence insecure mm -hmm. very unlikely you got a strong story very unlikely the strategy is going to be anything that's actually going to be strong right so when someone's thinking about what to do the very first step don't think about what to do, especially when people are in a poor state or an unresourceful state and the story's not great. Their strategies tend to be, they tend to get stuck in the tyranny of how. Mm -hmm. They think about, well, I'll do this and then this, and they get overwhelmed and they do nothing. So again, the first thing is, the first thing is state. And state's very easy to achieve. It's different for everybody. For some people, it's meditation. For some people, it's a workout. For some people, it's incantation. You find yourself facing some resistance. Step one. Are you in a resourceful state? Doesn't have to be rah, pumped up. It could be mm -hmm. graceful. It can be beautiful. It can be, there's so many different states that are resourceful. Mm -hmm. are For me, that's the creative process. Like when exactly. I, what I never realized when I took a couple of years away from art making and kind of being in the creative process, I didn't realize that, you know, that experience and all of that experience in the arts world had been sitting right under my nose the entire sure. time and that it was the thing that helped me get into a state of, you know, insight and, you know, productivity and the act of kind of slowing down, lightening up, you know, play, right. You play basketball. Like what's, yeah. what's your thing? Well, look, think about a team. You brought up sports. Think about any team before they take the field, the court, everybody's got a ritual. They mm -hmm. put their hands up, go team, football teams, rile themselves up. What are they doing? They're getting in state, right? 
Tony Robbins has a ritual every time for 40 years before he gets on stage, he's got to think. Actually, one of the things you learn there is you learn your move to get yourself into state. But if you think about everyone's got, for people that know how to access their states, there's a ritual. Mm. Step one, figure out what your ritual is, get in state first. Second part of that state is, I'm going to tie this into the story part. It's called the success cycle. So I want you to imagine two different people. Let's say one person, they, they're both walked upon a, a steep hill. One person looks at that hill and says, I've always wanted to try this. I'll do my best, but I'm not sure. My knees kind of bum. My back's sore. I worked out yesterday. I'll do my very best. And the other person says, no matter effing what, no matter what, I will find a way to get up that hill. Now, I want you to imagine a square, four corners of the square. So we're going to start with the bottom left corner. That's belief. That's belief. One person's coming in with the belief of, I'll try. And the other person's coming with a belief of absolute certainty. The I'll try person, they'll have some potential. They'll take some action. They're going to try it. They may not succeed. And if they don't succeed, they're going to reaffirm. You see, I gave my best, but I knew my knee, my whatever excuse. Their excuses and there's results. They're going to find themselves an excuse. And that's going to become their cycle. The next thing they take on, it's going to be the same thing. There's going to be some lack of mood because also all of us have ego. And nobody wants to fail. So it's easier to say, oh, well, my knee, my this, my that. Not, I didn't try hard enough, right? That's just easier. We all have a brain with self-preservation. Now the person that walks upon that hill and says, no matter what, that person's like it's have more potential. Their story is like, no matter what. So when they find challenge, they won't let up. They won't think about their need. They'll think about no matter what. Yeah. That person's going to take a lot more action. They're going to win for sure. And then I'm going to be like, see, you do that two or three times over. Now your story is I can do anything. That's exactly, this is exactly what happened to me. I walked across that fire yeah. like this, got into state. I can do anything. Strategies, follow the instructions. Just walk calmly, say, cool. There's a, there's a, they give you instructions. And I crossed that fire. I'm like, then I developed this insatiable craving for what's next. So since then, I've gone bobsledding. I've gone swimming with sharks in open water. I've taken my business to multiple different levels. I've moved this out of where we lived for, you know, over a decade, which was a big part of my business. Now I'm constantly, you know, the only time I start to feel back to some kind of blah hmm. is when I'm not challenging myself, when I'm not pushing, you know, and now I found a, a middle ground, you know, there's this all thing all, all the time, go, just go, you'll figure it out. And then yeah. it's like, you got to cross all your T's out, all your eyes before you go. There's a whole world in the middle. I feel like I have found some some place some, in the middle. Some middle way. Yeah, yeah. Like not 50, 50%. I'm still more on the let's just go side. We'll figure it out. But only because I believe life's happening for me. And mm. I believe everything on the way is a lesson. And so if you first own everything in life is psychology first, I'd probably say 80%. How is it possible that a guy like Spud Webb can dunk a basketball? I mean, yeah, it's physical, of course, matters. But if that guy said, I'm only 5'7", of course I can't dunk. What if that guy said, of course I can't win a dunk contest against these other giants, you know? Everything in life is psychology. We've all done it. Oh my God, I can't believe I did. Like everything in life is psychology first. So that's that state. Then from state, you produce a, a resourceful story. It's either you believe in yourself, there's a feeling of absolute certainty, or I say my rule, then don't even do it. Because if you do it without a feeling of absolute certainty, you may fall victim to the negative success cycle that one time. Mm -hmm. And then typically for people, the way we do anything is the way we do everything. So all of a sudden that's you do it, you do it with your fitness and it could show up in your relationship or your business. You find a way to win in your business. And all of a sudden you come home and you're like, of course I can have more passion in my relationship. Of course I could be a better father. Look what I just did there. It's all contagious, so to speak. Right. Yeah. So the, the, I don't have like an actual physical action to this. But this is a formula because the truth is this. I will bet anybody listening to this, my $100 against your $1. I'll take as many people as want to take me on this bet. If you approach the thing that you need to figure out with the proper story, so with the proper state and a story of absolute certainty, do you have the answer? I bet you, you will know what to do. You don't need me to tell you. You'll know what to do in the proper state. With the proper story, the answers just appear. They just appear, man. Because we all know what to do. We just got this fog. We got this fog in the way. Self-doubt, social media comparison, fear of failure, fear of not being loved, fear of ego, all this garbage in the way. And as soon as we part all that shit out the way, the sun comes out and the answers just show up. They just show up. My hundred against your one dollar. million people bring it. You will find the answer. Follow the process, <laughs> you will find the answer. 
Uh, I couldn't pick a better way to end than that. And if you want to take up, take Eugene up on that, where can folks connect with you, Eugene, if people want to take you up on that? Yeah, sure. I have a very cryptic Instagram. It's my first name, my last name, Eugene Litvak on Instagram. Uh, (laughs) You can find my team at the Litvak team on Instagram. If you want to email me, elitvac at compass.com. Honestly, if you just Google me, you're going to find a million ways to find me. We're, we're, we, we do a pretty good you're job. You're findable. You're highly you're find, findable. You're <laughs> yeah, you're going to have a hard time not putting my name. And you're going to have a hard time not finding me. Though be careful, in South Brooklyn, there is a Eugene Litvac doctor. That's not me. He's invented hers. You have Gany Litvac MD. That's not me. Let's put it around. Okay. Just, you, many accolades to your name, but MD so far. Not, not yet. Maybe someday. Maybe, Maybe someday. someday. Not yet. We've got we've got Julie for that part. Julie, oh Julie my gosh. in the family. Amazing. Uh, on my show, we do the same thing. Any final closing thoughts? Because you you know you never really know exactly where the talks are going to go. Yeah. I don't know if this one like you expected or not. I had a great time. Thank you for. I did me. too. I did too. It was awesome. Uh, I would say this. I would say this. Please to everybody. Please, 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 please do not compare yourself to others. Please stay out of the comparison game. Unless you're a competitor and it drives you, then do it all day long. But I promise you, no matter how much money you make, somebody makes more. No matter how much weight you lift in the gym, someone makes more. No matter how good you are at something, somebody out there is better. Like, just shit, man. Stay away from that game unless it drives you. Because mm. if that's where your focus is, you will never find fulfillment. Mm. It does because there's always a next level. There's always a next level. Just man, just appreciate where you are. I think that I think the, the best formula for that piece is to find a way to be. This is sort of the, the, the best, best hybrid. The best hybrid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Find a way every single day to be grateful for everything you have. Cause I bet you there are millions of people that have it worse than you. While you might be whining about only making a hundred grand or 50 grand, trust me, there's people out there that are doing far worse. So whatever it is, find a way to be totally present to all the gifts you have in your life and never be satiated. It's gratitude plus hunger, not hunger for comparison, hunger because why not? Hunger because I'm already so blessed and there's more available to me. Hunger from that place will feel so amazing. Whereas hunger from comparison will feel like anxiety. I love that. And my call to action for everybody would be when you're hungry for that next thing, imagine what would happen if we could activate that sense of hunger to get out there and do more good work in the world. So that's what we're here to do. I'm going to give you a virtual high five. Good work to you. Oh, you're great. This was so awesome. This was so awesome. awesome. Thank you for having me. I, uh, I know course. you have a lot of contacts and connections, and I'm sure you have lots of awesome guests. I'm, I'm really honored to be a part of the process. I really appreciate it, my friend. Thanks for listening, friends. I'd love for you to join this conversation and hear your perspective too. To connect with us, head over to leahleonard.me and way to go. Good work.